last week I put a, um, a sign-up sheet out in the, um, in the lobby there, and uh, I'd like to take you to breakfast, I'd like to take you to lunch. If you can do breakfast, if you can hold off until 9 a.m. or we can grab coffee or whatever, uh, I'd like to, uh, if you'd be willing to put your name down there, I'll take you to breakfast. And um, if you uh, would like me to buy you lunch sometime, you put your name out there and uh, I'll buy you lunch sometime. And I just would like the opportunity to uh, get to know you. And it shows me uh, acceptance. It shows me that you accept me as a friend. And it shows me uh, appreciation uh, because uh, you're willing to uh, do what I ask and and uh, it makes me feel good. And uh, those are a couple of key things, acceptance and appreciation. That's good stuff. And uh, so I'm asking you to, to do that. And um, other announcements. Um, one... Uh, tomorrow there was an exercise uh, class that was scheduled, but that is going to be uh, postponed or delayed or not going to happen at the regularly scheduled time for other things that are going on here at the church. And uh, there's a lot of things to sign up for. There's dog training, and um, and uh, uh, there, today uh, there's probably still time. If you want to go throw axes with us, we're going to meet over there at 2 o'clock. You can ask me about that. And um, if you want to uh, be a part of something like that, the guys are going to go over there. Uh, several things. There's a sign-up sheet out there to bring food and be a part of our Easter celebration, and uh, a lot of things going on, and we want you to be a part of those things. I'm, what am I missing here, Laura? All right, good. Check. Boom. All right, here we go. Hey, listen, uh, I want to tell you about two more things uh, that are coming up, and um, uh, one of those is that on Easter Sunday, on uh, Easter Sunday, uh, we're really hoping to have a crowd. And in order to uh, have a good crowd, um, people, generally speaking, statistically, people are more willing to come to church on Christmas and Easter than other times. And we look forward to the opportunity to share the gospel with them. And so we're going to send out postcards to um, uh, the community around here, to Port Byron, to Rapid City, to Hillsdale area, about uh, 2,600 postcards. And uh, we're going to be inviting them. And statistically, they'll tell us that you know maybe 1% of those people will respond and you know, 1% of 2,600 people is something like 5,000 people will be here at church that Sunday. And, um, but uh, uh, even if it's 20 more people, um, we would love for them to come and hear the gospel message, right? And so we're going to do that, and um, it'll be a good day. It'll be a good day on Easter Sunday to do that. Uh, also, uh, something's coming up um, on April 13th, which is uh, the Sunday before Easter. Kids Club is going to be having an open house. And we're going to be telling uh, Kids Club uh, parents uh, about uh, something that we're going to do starting the Wednesday after Easter, and it's going to go for four weeks. And it's going to be a class that's going to take place right after Kids Club for, from 5 to 6 p.m. And uh, from 5 to 5.20 per, uh, p.m., uh, you're going to have an opportunity to make them dinner. And so you're going to be hearing more about that as that comes up. And then after that, then we're going to be sending the kids down to the gym to play games or watch a movie or something like that. And the adults are going to be having a class that's going to be a four-week class. And we're going to be teaching them the four core values or foundational beliefs of Kids Club. Uh, number one is uh, there is a God and he loves you. You're not an accident. Um, number two is that the Bible is true. Uh, number three is the Bible tells us that God has a son and he cares about you. And then number four is God wants to be in a relationship with you through his son, Jesus. And we learn about that in the Bible. Those are the four sort of foundational truths. And so those will be four weeks, four classes. 
And um, you, if you can participate in uh, that meal time before then, uh, have an opportunity to meet some of those people. Now, it sounds like announcements. It's actually the introduction to the sermon. There are, there are things that are going on in which you have an opportunity to interact with people from our community and get to know them, maybe at, uh, at first at a surface level and just say hi. But um, why would we do that? Why would, why would we do that? Well, because the church is a place. We're going to watch a video here. And if you were here last week, you saw one of these uh, videos by Rob Bell, and we're going to watch another one. And um, we're not going to do, this will be, I don't have any plans right now to watch any more of those for a while, and so it's not like a long thing. But it's kind of a longer video, but uh, just it takes time to unpack and develop, and then we'll revisit that again in a few minutes. And so they saw 
in Jesus' resurrection, the beginning of this universe-wide movement to put it all back together. Well, this, of course, brought them into direct conflict with the Roman Empire. Because remember, for the Caesars, it was all about Caesar's belief that he was making a new and better world through his power, through his armies, and through his wealth. And so when Caesar wanted to send out a message to let everybody know of his latest military conquest or his latest accomplishments, he would send out a royal pronouncement telling the masses of his latest achievements. These pronouncements were called in the Greek language euangelions. Euangelion was like a gospel or good news. In English, euangelion spells evangelical. Now these first Christians believed very passionately that the world was not made better through military power and political coercion. This gospel they were living had nothing to do with using political force to force people to live according to your laws. For them, this gospel was about serving the world, especially those on the underside of the empire. For them, it was about serving, not ruling. And so they took this empire propaganda term gospel, and they used it to describe this new world that Jesus and his followers were making right under the nose of the empire. Because their way, the way of Jesus, was totally opposed to the way of Rome. And so when we read accounts of how they lived, we read that they shared their possessions, they fed the hungry, and they carried each other's well, it's because the gospel for them was a whole way of life, a whole new world right in the midst of this one. Now, Caesar had a particular word that was used for a city or a village or a province that worshipped Caesar as the son of God, that acknowledged Caesar as Lord. So Caesar would conquer with his armies a new land and then demand that all of the people would confess Caesar is Lord. If people didn't, well, then they were crucified as a way of showing everybody else what happens when you refuse to submit to the power of the empire. But if, but if a group of people did, a city or a village or a region did acknowledge and worship Caesar as the son of God, Lord, if they did accept Caesar as their savior, then their area became a worshiping center of the Caesar. These worshiping centers were called in the Greek language ekklesias. The word ekklesia translates in English church. And so these first Christians took this empire propaganda term, ecclesia, and they used it to describe their gatherings, the ones where they confessed Jesus is Lord. Well, obviously, the way they were living and the things they believed brought them, uh, it raised all sorts of questions for those around them. Who do you believe? Caesar? who thinks that a new world, a better world is made through his brute military and political power by forcing people to do what he says. Or Jesus, who invites you to make a new and better world through loving acts of compassion and generosity. Caesar, who killed Jesus on an execution stake. Or God, who raised Jesus from the dead. Whose way do you think is better? Who do you think is Lord? Jesus? Or Caesar, whose kingdom do you find more compelling? For them, the gospel.
gospel was an invitation to a whole new way of life. And they lived this way because they had this profoundly mystical understanding of what they were doing with their lives. They called themselves the body of Christ. And they believed that in their communities, in these loving, compassionate, generous, peace-loving communities, they believed that Jesus was present in a way that went beyond words. So they'd invite people to join them, to eat with them, to celebrate with them, to suffer with them. And they'd ask them, after they'd seen the hungry fed, the lonely loved, and the poor honored, they'd ask people, well, well, do you think Jesus is here? Or more specifically, who do you think is Lord? Who's making a better world, Caesar or Jesus? They believed that a church was a living, breathing display of a whole new world God was bringing about right here, right now. Because some people, some people are fierce with reality, aren't they? They don't have to spout off about how they're right and everybody else is wrong because there's something going on inside of them so powerful, so tangible. You can't help but ask them questions. You're dying to know why they are the way they are. You want them to explain the reason for the hope that's within them. It's because when you're around people like this, you have the sense that you've in some way been with Jesus. And that is church. This group of people who by their compassion, their generosity, the grace that they extend to others, you find yourself believing when you're around them that God hasn't given up on the world. That's the gospel. That's it. The gospel is the good news that God hasn't given up on the world. That, that the tomb is empty and that a giant resurrection rescue is underway and that you and I can be a part of it. And so yes, this has a deeply personal dimension to this. Jesus is saving me. He's saving me from my sins, from my mistakes, from my pride, from my indifference to the suffering of the world around me, from my cynicism and despair, the brokenness I see in the world around me is true of my own soul. And so he's rescuing me moment by moment, day by day, because God wants to put it all back together. You, me, the whole world. And so he starts deep inside each of us with our awareness that we need help, that we need saving, that we need rescuing. And then he begins to show us step by step what it looks like like to put flesh and blood on this gospel because we all fall short and that's the beautiful part broken flawed vulnerable people like you and me are invited to be the hands and feet of a Jesus who loves us exactly as we are and yet loves us way too much to let us stay there Yes to the question, has Jesus risen from the dead? 
And may you come to see, may you understand that you are the good news. You are the gospel. You are the gospel. You are the gospel. Uh, Rob Bell there, uh, I just want you to know that I know that he's a little bit of a controversial uh, figure and that um, some scholars would take issue with some of the history that he lays out there, but I think he does a good job of making a point that people living out as the church spread the gospel. We are the gospel. Ultimately, we are here for others. We are here for others. We are here for others to tell people about Jesus Christ. And so we're going to have opportunities uh, to interact with some people come um, uh, Easter Sunday, and we're going to have an opportunity to interact with some people uh, when we start up uh, these uh, classes for the kids club parents and Uh, We're going to have opportunities uh, when we go to the workplace, and we're going to have opportunities when we are in the community, and we want to be a people that act like we know Jesus, and so what we want to do is extend some things to people, and so let's extend acceptance to people. We want to be a church that extends acceptance, acceptance. Romans chapter 15, verse 7 says, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Sometimes it's hard for us to accept other people because we're pretty good at looking at our strengths instead of looking at other people's strengths. Uh, Sometimes uh, we're pretty good at not accepting people because we're pretty good at looking at our strengths and not looking at other people's strengths. Did, did you hear what I said there? And so uh, how does that, how's that play out? Well, uh, sometimes we kind of do these kind of things. We say, well, I am an on-time person. And so we don't value the person that is not an on-time person because it's the strength that I have, right? Uh, meanwhile, the not on-time person, uh, maybe they're looking at the on-time person and they're more of a relational person. And they can understand, how is it that uh, I'm relational, and why, do, why can't relationships, why can't the conversation just keep going? Why are we always uh, running by the clock, right? And so you look at people through the lenses that you have, and uh, we look at our strengths and not uh, their strengths. And sometimes we uh, say things like, I'm a tidy person, and, and they're not tidy. And then the, uh, the non-tidy people, they're like, no, when you're cooking in the kitchen, you just open it all up, and it goes everywhere, and you clean it up at the end. And other tidy people are like, no, you use that utensil, you clean that utensil, right? And, and so we tend to look at other people through our strengths, and then we accept them if they have in common with us our strengths, but that's not the way we're supposed to do that. Uh, some, people, some people are not sensitive. They're just not sensitive. And that's very irritating to people that are very sensitive, right? And so we tend to accept people people looking at them through the lenses of my strengths instead of looking at them as my brother or sister and they have strengths too right we, we kind of do that and hey listen to romans chapter 14 verse 10 you then why do you judge your brother or why do you look down on your brother for we will all stand before god's judgment seat And so every day during the school year, I do this. 
I drive the bus. I drive the bus. And uh, this year, at the beginning of the year, uh, I was the recipient of a brand new bus. I am the first person ever to drive this bus on a route. It's bus number one. And so uh, what I do is I get on a little PA system, and I have the kids, and they're on the bus, and we chant together, we're number one. We're number one. See, I say, what bus are you guys on? We're number one. And so I get to drive bus number one around. It's a brand new bus. And, and what's interesting, it's a Bluebird bus. I don't know if you guys, uh, Bluebird is the premier bus manufacturer in the United States. And I drive a Bluebird. It's brand new, brand new. Bluebird has been in, you know, uh, they started in 1927, a long time. You know, over 90 years they've been making buses. And I, I got a brand new Bluebird bus that I get to drive around. And, you know, it's kind of crazy about the fact that I got a brand new Bluebird bus to drive around. As I was driving that bus all of about three weeks, and the low coolant light comes on. Now, this thing lights up. When you start the bus up, it lights up like a Christmas tree, man. There are so many warning lights and hazard lights and all kinds of stuff just flashing and blinking at you. And uh, they let you know that it's got this computers in there. And, and, uh, and so I'm driving the thing for all of three weeks. And all of a sudden, you're going down the road. And then this indicator light starts flashing. And it says, low coolant, low coolant, low coolant. And you got to push this button in order to reset. Otherwise, you're hitting the beep, beep, beep as you're going down the road. You know, and so I take it in there, you know, and Jason the mechanic, he takes a look at that thing and he figures that out. And then I'm driving it for about three more months. And then, uh, sure enough, the check engine light comes on. When the check engine light comes on, you're driving down the road, check engine light comes on, and then the flash is red at you, beep, 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 and you got to hit the reset button about every five minutes. It just tells you, you know, and you're driving around. I had to drive it that way for a couple of days. They're like, yeah, just keep driving it. We, and then they find out what's wrong with it. Sure enough, three months after that, Three months after that, no kidding. Now, this was after one of the headlights had already went out and I had to have that replaced, right? And I'm driving the bus around, and then all of a sudden, beep, 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 the, um, the low fuel indicator light starts flashing. I fill the thing up totally full. You peg the thing in full, and you're driving around, and it's totally full, and all of a sudden, the low fuel indicator, and you're driving around for a couple of days, and, and the, sure enough, it makes the alarm beep, 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 and it sounds and everything. You gotta hit the reset button every five minutes until they get that thing figured out, right? The other headlight went out. And so you would think, you would think that after 90 years of business, being the premier company to build the best buses in all of America, that they could get this stuff figured out so that when I'm driving my bus around, I don't have to deal with all of this stuff, right? You would think after all, I am so glad. that I don't have any indicator lights on my forehead that flash and beep and buzz every time I do something wrong or something in me is broken. Yet sometimes we look at other folks and go, well, you would think they know better. And we judge them instead of accepting them. God could easily pick on us for all of the things that we do wrong, but he has grace and mercy and love and acceptance and he loves us. So we do well to extend acceptance.
And we do well to extend attention. Attention. Giving attention to people. Jesus paid attention to people. He paid attention to people physically. He could see when the lame could not walk or the blind couldn't see or the mute couldn't speak. And he, could, uh, and he was attentive to them and he gave attention to them and he helped them. And emotionally he knew uh, how to handle situations. He would uh, give attention emotionally to people. You think of the woman that was caught in adultery and he could have shamed her and all of those things. But he, uh, he masterfully uh, put it all together in a way that all of the accusers just kind of uh, snuck off. And then he was there with her all alone. And if they're not going to accuse you, I'm not going to accuse you. And leave your life of sin. Emotionally, he tended uh, to people. And spiritually, he was always right on top of it. And he would accept people wherever they were, wherever they were on the spectrum. Spiritually, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He extended he acceptance. He, he gave them attention, paid close attention to them. And he had what they needed. And then Jesus does this thing where he flips it right back around on us and he says, now you go do that. You be the church. You give attention to people that are emotionally needing it or physically needed or spiritually needing it. I want you to do that. You be the church. And we like attention. We like knowing that we are wanted. We like knowing that we are important. And we love it when people come around and and encourage us and build us up. And we're to do that. And God gives us attention. And in fact, you know this, and it's a little bit disturbing. It's just one of those Bible verses that God says that he knows the number of hairs on our head. And for some of you, he's got to count a lot more than the rest of us. But he knows us intimately. He knows us. Jesus spent time with his disciples. He washed their feet. And so here's kind of a question. Can, can you say these things or can you do these things? Can you, can you be this kind of a person? Here's kind of a list of a ways. Maybe, maybe when it comes time for Easter Sunday as we begin to kind of process and think about who we might invite to be a part of that. Or can you do this? Can you ask questions like this? What is your name? How long have you lived in the area? Who are your children? And then try to come up with maybe some people that you have in common uh, with one another. And um, last night here at uh, the church, we had a a beach party for a kids club. And uh, there was a family that came and uh, I had never seen any of them before, and uh, Becky Winger was there, and she went right over and just sat down at the table, and she just was talking with them and greeting them, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful thing of acceptance and giving attention. And finally, we should do this. Give appreciation. Give appreciation to people. What does appreciation mean? Appreciation means to raise the value of. 
You know, gold is going up in price. It's appreciating. It's appreciating. Um, all of the real estate folks, you know that your house, even as we sit here right now, our homes are appreciating, right? Uh, hopefully, if uh, you have a retirement 401k, uh, we're looking forward to them appreciating, raising the value. We want the value to go up. That's what it is to appreciate. When you encounter people, do they feel as though you are raising their value? You've experienced that in your lifetime. You've had people come up to you and speak with you and encourage you and say kind things to you. And when you walk away from them, you feel valuable. You've been lifted up. Your value has been raised. So here's a question for you. Would you be able to do this? Can you say, I'm glad you came Can you say, it's great to see you invest in your children this way. If they're coming to kids club or bringing them to church. Uh, You make us feel good by being a part of the church or kids club. Can you say, this event is better because you came. It's a better party because you are here. That's the way we as the church, those of us that know what Jesus has done for us and our heart has been transformed and we know that we should have little blinky lights on our foreheads but God doesn't put them there and he loves us and he tells us to be loving to others and accepting and encouraging and kind and have grace and mercy, all of those things that he extends to us. He calls us to be that kind of a person and extend it to others. Tell me that our world doesn't need more of that now than it has in the past several, several years. We're to be the church. We're to be the church. Loving people is a form of spreading the gospel, the gospel of Jesus. So, in conclusion, do you know Jesus? Is he your king, your God, your Lord? Have you been baptized into Christ? Have you given your life over to him and said, Lord, I cannot be the person that you want me to be without you inside of me. I give my life over to you. I want to die to myself and be covered in a watery grave to be raised again, a brand new person made clean by you, empowered by the Spirit to live for you. Have you done that? Have you given your life to Christ? If you haven't, that's a conversation I'd like to have with you about how you give your life to Christ. And if you have given your life to Christ, be motivated by the grace of God to live with more grace for God. Let's pray together. Dear God, Thank you for who you are. Thank you for being love. You are love. Help us to live in you.
We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.